friends, welcome back to another very special episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast. The show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my monolithic, but not quite as mysterious friend and co-host, Alex Dandino. That's right, we're back to stuff and stockings. I guess this is the first yeah, stocking. We, we already gave our own one. stocking stuffers. That's right. But before that, a little business. Uh, guys, it's official. We're on Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash Film Alchemist Pod. Guys, it's the best way to help the show. It's the absolute best way to make this show exactly what you want and deserve for as little as a dollar a month. And I assure you, every single dollar is greatly appreciated. It's true. Uh, all the support we can get is greatly appreciated. So you can go over there, meet our community, see what we're growing over there, meet the awesome patrons we already have. And if you climb the official Highlander tier ranking systems, you get to specifically select the movies that you would like us to discuss in a Patreon-exclusive library. Uh, we've had so many awesome picks over there. Uh, so guys, again, that's patreon.com slash Pod. Again, as little as a dollar a month. Every dollar helps. We appreciate so much those of you who help us. And we appreciate a ton those of you who are about to as well. Make sure you go to YouTube. Check out our just perfectly smooth, geometrically fine, unblemished, un untouched, life-inspiring faces. Shockingly <laughs> false. Shockingly false advertising on this show. Agree to disagree. Like all great mysteries of the universe, we'll never know. It's up to you. Uh, so, guys, that's Film Alchemist on YouTube. The email is filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on all the other social media, just like you and the fellow youngsters. Hit us up. We love to hear from you guys. We're shockingly easy to get a hold of. Uh, so, reach out. Reach out and touch our reach smooth, and touch onyx, non-reflective surface. Uh, all right. Before I keep making these just weird analogies that you won't understand guys we're here today to stuff some goddamn stockings that's what we do here every december we stuff stockings so we had three no four patrons uh get their movies selected because one of them was a christmas movie so we uh bowed before the patrons so true again guys that's patreon.com slash film alchemist pod you know who our god is the dollar the almighty dollar <laughs> so guys we're here to stuff stockings up first friend howard who won last year who won again this year and brought a banger this year uh 2010 so this is the sequel to stanley kubrick's 2001 a space odyssey i have to say in the great pantheon of sequels this might be about as fascinating a sequel as you could have come up with right 2001 a space odyssey is a somewhat singular and i mean for me personally a very profound kind of cinematic experience right no 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 for everyone everyone well, i know i know there are always people don't move fucking socks blah, blah, blah. you know those people yeah. right people but who I think do most that are people, full of shit i agree i think 2001 is one of the very few movies i've ever seen right you don't watch 2001 you kind of experience it yes. right the first time I saw it, it was one of those like, oh, my God, that's what a movie can be. Like, it, it melted my brain. I was young. I was college age. I was impressionable. Um, but, yeah, it was just profound, esoteric, you know, just primordial ooze of questions and big thoughts and ideas and images. Right. 
And to be tasked with the making a sequel to that, which there were novels, right? Arthur C. Clarke kept writing them fine. Hmm? To be the person who had to come up and be like, I will do the number two movie in the 2001 uh, lineage took a lot of guts. And I have to say the decision made was if 2001 is all very heady and star baby and feeling, this is an absolute hard hat and lunchbox sequel, right? This is, this is the working man's science fiction, all movie. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. First thoughts. I think I would describe 2010 as like, for those like, cause I, I don't know about in, um, in quick aside. And uh, when I started school at San Diego state, I was missing a uh, science credit. And one of the things you could take, one of the classes was the science of science fiction. So we were taught by one of the members of the physics department who like just read science fiction. I'm pretty sure he just liked a lot of science fiction novels. So we read a lot of really good science fiction. Um, there, I before I took the class, I did not know the difference. I did not know there were difference between like hard sci-fi, general sci-fi. There was fantasy sci-fi. I didn't know there was the subgenres of science fiction. This to me is a movie that speaks almost entirely to the hard sci-fi set. There is a lot of very specific technological things in this movie. There's a lot of very. <laughs> I was telling you before the pod. There's a lot of very unnecessary moments in this movie where they're describing technological things, and I'm like. I don't need to know any of that to continue the film uh, as is. Yeah. But I think that actually, <laughs> I, I think 2010s are really, I've, I've only seen 2010 once and it was by accident. Cause I thought it was, I thought it said 2001. Uh, like when it was on TV, and I was like, Oh cool. Yeah, whatever. And then it started and I'm like 2010. I don't think this is the same movie. I watched it. Thought it was fine. Watching it this time with a more critical eye, I really do think this movie actually does a very good job of not doing Stanley Kubrick's 2001. I I am going to say, like, there are a few movies in this world that are watershed moments in filmmaking. Like, sometimes there's just movies that have set a benchmark beyond benchmark. It's not even a benchmark. It's just that is the thing you aspire to for the rest of your career. 2001 is always that there's no way it can't be it is in the pantheon of great science fiction films simply because it is so esoteric and so out there and bizarre it hits all yeah. these crazy notes well here's, yes. here's a fascinating nugget on that movie right i don't know if you knew this that movie was made before we had seen earth from yes Space. exactly that's another like, thing Dude, that that movie someday we'll get to talk about that That's movie. That's the mind when we blowing like, thing about two thousand one. Exactly. What someday when we feel like wildly up to it, but uh, we'll get there. But this is the thing, right? So this is the difference, right? The way I would describe these two films, right? Because two thousand one starts with this kind of a short film, right? Monolith, the prime, you know, these primitive ape creatures. Right. Two thousand one is basically three sections of a movie. Three yes. movies. So in one. It, it starts with this very kind of like long, silent film about the origin of life and where we can't, whatever. Right. This movie just starts boom, 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 satellite array, like dishes. And yeah. this movie's telling us in the very first shot, we aren't here for your fucking goddamn poetry. We're not We're here, here for to your... gather facts. We're here to gather hard We're not here data. for your Beyond Starscape, Star Child <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. We're here to gather the facts. Put the reefer down, boy. We got a nine to five, right? That's what this movie's telling you. And I got to say, 
I think it's brilliant. I, I think do if too, you man. Try, if you tried to fucking match swords with 2001 and 2001's arena, I don't think you possibly no. could have done justice. And what this movie did is said, what if we took the same thing? So what it is, it's the exact, a lot of movies deal with this, right? Prometheus did a lot of these. Why are we here? What is the point of all this, right? Right. And 2001 in its very own strange way kind of examines that, right? Through Hal and the monolith and all these things, right? Religion and technology, whatever. Right. This movie is that exact same thing, right? This is the exact same kind of question and thought process that we went through in 2001. The difference is, is that this movie saying, instead of seeing the monolith and being in so much awe, right? Don't look at it as this piece of art. Don't look at it as something we can only describe with, you know, art and religion and things beyond our control. This movie says we have the exact same amount of awe, but it's because it's something we can quantify and touch and we'll do the work. And like you said, a lot of times in this movie, you feel like you got hired by a temp agency to like work on a spaceship. You know what I mean? (laughs) Where you're just like, why are you describing space shit to me? I don't need to know that. Just fucking, if you tell me like, oh, we're flying the ship to this planet. I don't go. I wonder what kind of propulsion right. we're using. Like, just fucking I, fly the shit. I mean, it, it's interesting because I watched 2010, and I, I watched watching 2010. I got hard, hardcore sunshine vibes. Like, it reminded me a lot of the way really? sunshine is structured. Actually, um, not just from like, I mean, from set design down to like, you know, I mean, sunshine does the same thing. I mean, obviously, is a little more telling and a little more. Um, Sunshine uses a lot more of the science to basically explain why things happen. This one is literally like, hey, we're going to do this thing. Like when they describe arrow breaking, I was just like, I don't care. at all. Like you could literally just say, we're going to throw on the space brakes. And I'd be like, cool. That makes sense to yeah. me. I'm dumb. So it's fine. <laughs> we're going to do a space loop. And I'm like, holy shit. These guys are smart. <laughs> these guys yeah. are fucking they smart. They literally could have said, we're going to do the quantum. <laughs> we're going to do the quantum breaking yeah. of the. I'm like, sure. That makes sense to me. Well, once like, the guy's like, yeah, I just have dolphins in my breakfast nook. You're like, yeah, I'll accept anything you're doing in this. film. Yeah. That's the weirdest thing I've seen in either 2001. The dolphins movie. already had dinner. Come eat your spaghetti. I'm like, the, yeah. the world has changed. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> you're like, this monolith is shaking things up for sure. <laughs> but that's what, I mean, even that house, right? That house is weird in its own way. And this, it's the difference though, right? Whereas Kubrick's is this kind of beautiful art piece and it, it looks like paintings often, right? It's just wonderfully. Right. It's. It, I think of it as the difference between like Apple and like, the guy who builds his own high tech gaming computer. It's like, it's ugly. I put like the weird like red light in it so it looks technology wise, but it's more functional. Right. Whereas, you know, an Apple's like built for like sleek design or whatever. This movie spends a lot of time at the start of this movie. We're on Earth, right? We're looking at satellites. We're in these ugly ass conference rooms where everything has that disgusting 70s color palette, right? Right. Where it, we all decided as a world, like, what if our aesthetics were based off pink and mustard? You know what I mean? It's just, it's ugly to look at. It's fucking gross. Yeah. And, but, but that's what it is. It's rooting us. This movie firmly wants to put our feet on earth so that even when we're out in space, seeing this monolith and there is some really cool stuff they get into with the monolith and the kind of, you know, big mysteries of this, this movie makes sure that we're always firmly rooted as to why that matters. And it's what happens on earth. Right. Right. Like there's something that is drop at the start of the film when he's, you know, the Russian like sneaks in and he's like, Hey, we got it. So essentially this movie does like a Rocky four, right? We got to do a cold war story built. Well, in. there's, yeah, I, that's something that I think factors very heavily into just like overall 
the storytelling in general. Because again, like we've not like we've watched a lot of horror movies from the eighties, but literally any other movie from the eighties has some 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 sort of Cold War twinge. Every single movie, like it was, it was like that was the time. That's what you did. Yeah, and it's I mean again that roots us very much to our world, whereas you know the other movie is more about like us versus the concept of us. This is a right. very firm. We're we're out here on a we're on a race to get this weapon, information, whatever the fuck it is, right? So these scientists, you know, they're going to go out there together. And they sell it, right? They sell it as, you know, you don't want them to get their first where. Fine. Then we stop. So I, I don't know if I love the Cold War stuff, but we'll get to that. What I did like is I like the idea that this one actually took time with uh the families, right? So we see right. we see uh old Roy Old uh, suntanned Roy up there montage and right training and stuff. Dr. Haywood Jablomi. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Haywood Jablomi. Just so fucking tan, that man. Good Lord. That Just tan is... and crunches for days. But Yeah, that dude. Yeah, so Roy's over here. But I like the scene when he has to tell his wife, like, hey, this great blunder in my career. He was the one in charge of the discovery, right, where it all went tits up in 2001. Yeah. And he gets a chance to fix that right and he's a a fucking bureaucrat but he decides he has to physically go there this time right it's this allure right so now we're doing this explorer's allure movie a time travel movie almost by function where it's this guy we understand why he has to go but it's telling us something very important about him that he's willing to just leave his wife and leave us i was telling you my son is seven right he'll be seven in january my other son just turned four what if i just said Peace. I'll see you guys when you're in your mid twenties. Yeah. What? Like, are you fucking out of your like? You're well, it's shitty- interesting because they try to frame it as this like sort of honorable thing. Like, you know what? Yeah. I'm gonna do this. It's like, no, dude. Like, no. Just anybody else could go. It it's seems fine. like the expertise he brought to the ship is bourbon smuggling <laughs> and looking at graphs and going, unbelievable. N- yeah. Neither here nor there. He was an inspirational. Coach. I would say. I would say Haywood's contribution is that and like knowing the his favorite type of hot dog like those are like the big things he knows that's by the way yeah but like that's not a real hot dog so it's like even like a cynical like a skinny guy who can do 50 crunches being like i also like hot dogs like i also love i also love dodger dogs shut up you sack of shit you (laughs) You never had a hot dog you're too busy out there getting fucking baked like an old catcher's mate you're not eating fucking hot dogs like us real americans yeah this human (laughs) baked potato running down the street just like (laughs) absolutely just like you can just hear his skin crunching gross just that baked potato that someone's so healthy they don't even put the butter and bacon yeah. bits on it You're it's like, you just sick fuck it's you just, sick and like fuck. they they scooped out all the potato part because that's like that's the not healthy stuff like this is exactly why we're not allowed to see the monolith because this is yeah. the discussions we have if, if we saw the roy, monolith we'd be like roy scheider is a baked potato analogy that's the hard-hitting <laughs> fucking bits we're bringing to humanity but anywho I think that is an important distinction of this film, right? And that scene, it is emotionally powerful. I do think it, as a parent, it struck me as like, wow, you're kind of a douche. Like that yeah. that's a move I don't accept. But I do think there is something to this. It's the exact same thing we faced in the first movie. And most science fiction is about this, right? Answering some untenable question that will make the future safer and better for all of us, right? Right. And it's a fool's errand, right? As soon as you figure out something else, there's another fucking problem, right? But you understand the allure of it. 
Mm -hmm. And they do a good job of rooting every character in this movie to some kind of, again, on the earth problem. Or when we get up into space, I love the bits with like John Lithgow's character and uh, Max, right? Mm -hmm. Russian Max. Yeah. These great bits of just actual human bonding, right? Like when he's freaking out and he's like, hey, man, it's cool. Like, you know, and they're doing like, what's Russian for stupid? Right. Um, You know, easy as cake, right? Like he's doing all the expressions. It's small stuff like that. But it roots these characters together. So, like, when Max finally gets got, mm-hmm. you see John Lithgow erupt in emotion, unlike his own Russian compatriots. Right. That's the extra element this movie has that I thought was a really yeah. nice touch. And, again, if you're going to make a sequel to that movie, I think, so I think too. this is a smart take, man. Root us into why this – bring the human back, right? Yeah. We're not props for this kind of, you know, right. philosophical debate. We're, we're gross, crunchy things. I think that is the thing that's most prevalent about 2010 as opposed to like 2001. Yeah. 2001 is a masterpiece. There's no doubt about it. I, I do think, and this is like just my take on a lot of Kubrick movies in general. There is like this weird, like void of emotions kind of thing that like, and it's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing in a lot of cases, but like, for instance, I actually care about, I care about these characters a lot. Like, right. I, I really do. Like, I don't give a shit about dave bowman like literally anything could happen to that guy in that in 2001 and be like great whatever it's fine he's before a vessel. i watch this today i never would have remembered that character's name for a million years he is a vessel <laughs> for us to put ourselves in and be that character in the movie that's what he's there for like this is the thing that kubrick did in 2001 that you don't need to do again and that's what i think peter hyams who's the guy who directed it did such a great job with is realizing that like we don't need to do this again like, we don't need to be put in the driver's seat the way we were in 2001, especially at the end of 2001, which is, like, so abstract and weird and, like, out there. And you're just like, I mean, you know, you're in the movie and you're like, wow, that's the like that's the look on our face. Like, wow, what an experience. Oh, my God. This one, you're right. real, this one is about the storytelling itself rather than the experience of, like, this philosophical urge to question our being in the universe. This one is about... We're supposed to be in the universe, but let's still figure yeah. out why, you know, like there's a lot of this. Right. It's It's sort of like um, it reminds me a lot of contact. Contact has this same sort of thing. And, you know, contact's a very different movie. But at the same time, it's in a lot of ways not like there's a lot of this exploration of why we're here. But from a very specific point of view and not this like wide open philosophical chasm that yeah. we all just like deep dive into in 2001. This is about. Why are we all here? But more importantly, why yeah. are we out here? Well, here's the question, too, right? That a lot of science fiction movies kind of eschew that I think is pretty important is, all right, they're out there. So fucking what? I still yeah, got to pay exactly. my bills next week. Why do I give a like, shit about you know, these people? I see. Yeah, I still have. I still have to pay my credit Roy card. Roy Scheider. Though. Is that how you say it? Roy Scheider? Scheider. Yeah. Yeah. So in Roy Scheider, I think he's wonderful, like brilliant casting. Yeah, he's Because, great. again, he's that he's that police chief Brody, right? He is the fucking ultimate well, that Every opener man. is like perfect. That opener is yeah. perfect. It's pitch perfect to tell you what right. kind of movie this is going to be. He is the ultimate like every man, right? Like better mm-hmm. than any man, you know, but like believe it, he has that like kind of like working man charm. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's so good. But like this movie is more worried about the scene when his kid, when he's out jogging and his kids like, won't you forget me? That's what this movie's about. Yeah. 
Not and, what does that thing mean to me? Won't you forget me? The kid says to his dad who's going out there. And the dad might have to be like, well, I'm going to miss all yeah. yeah. There's still, and there's still this great artistry, like the choice of just like shooting this long shot of him just yeah. right. Like we're like a lot of wide shots on earth. Like when they're at the white house, that shot is way the fuck huge. Back. And like, these are important. Like these are in conversations, like in yeah. the hands of a director that the studio would hire to like, fix a movie quote unquote there'd be a lot of close-ups and a lot of like really different kind of this is a very specific type of shot and that to me is the part that i'm like that's like the kubrickness coming through is like you're picking one thing instead yeah it makes us small in our world and then when we're in the shit it's tight and and like i mean i I, again i do think there's a lot of craftsmanship in this i mean i do think the weird one this movie is very poorly edited there's a lot of like really rough, just like abrupt fucking cuts where you're like, yeah. I feel like we could have like not air braked on every single fucking transition. But that's neither here nor there. Um, Aero break, no, I, I mean, believe it, it's calling. It's called. Sorry, I, I'm the fucking you know potato analogy guy. Dear Griffey, I miss you terribly. We're air braking today. <laughs> Dear Dan Dino, I miss those uh, fucking final cut transitions. My God, <laughs> just a little star wipe like old G Lucas used to give us. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I that's what I think. This this movie is messier and yeah. for the benefit. Agreed. Like, here's a weird thing. When they're fucking, uh, you know, Arrow fucking Tokyo drifting, whatever. Yeah. That little Russian lady runs into his room, right? Mm-hmm. And he just buckles up. And I'm like, oh, my God, is he going in for like a last second, like, cheek beating? <laughs> He's like, I'll fucking. I was like, is he going to do what Rocky did to the Cold War? But with his like old just. Probably also way too suntan dong. Yeah. Like Roy Scheider's dong either looks like that like last corn dog that was like on the edge of the microwave. So it's all like split apart and extra brown. Or it's just so white it would be like shocking to see. That's another thing we did not need to discuss here. I I disagree. This is important stuff. Is this 2010 drop the old fucking like dried out corn dog on this lady? No, no and sure. it was literally just a moment of like they're two scared people kind of well, going like, for a hug. Do you speak English? No English. And his response is swell. Yeah, the movie never addresses that relationship again because it's not some big planned out movie moment. No. It's this small moment of we're messy, emotional creatures. And I thought the stuff like that was great. I, I, I really that that stuff it gives you such a footing, right? It's like you already blew my mind and made me have existential crisis. It's nice to be pulled back down, right? As we get further in our discussion, I think we can debate on if this movie landed properly with this kind of approach. But sure. I think I think the idea of it was great, right? And I mm-hmm. think the weirdest thing about this movie is when it cuts into those things that 2001 did so well is when it actually starts to kind of fumble, right? Like it just looks jankier yeah. when they're spacewalking and when they have like paintings of planets. Like it just doesn't ever look as good. No, right when disagree. they're in space, we don't have like wonderful score that's just letting us sit and take the vastness of space. And we're listening to "Dear Child Who I Left Behind on Earth." Right. Here's my that thought. I think and is that's the st- <laughs> that's the misstep. This movie's afraid of the silence in a weird way. It is. There's it one. Is. It's interesting you point you say that because like during that arrow breaking sequence, there is that one moment that's just like this huge, stark, wide of like the surface of Jupiter between like Io and Europa. And you see this just like comet of the ship trying to slow itself down, this kind of thing. And that was the part I was like, wow. Like they really nailed oh, this. Oh, like, cloud. Yeah, that oh, was it's incredible. Like beautiful, this beautiful vastness. And then, yeah, it's intercut with like 
it's to me it's that kind of shot anything that goes close in like that i was just like i don't give a shit about this like that's the part where you're trying to prove something that i don't think you need to prove in this movie well because they're like we've got the fucking 2001 like song we need to play it so it bonds it it's like i think that's the thing that's really interesting about this movie (laughs) is like they spend so I, i mean again peter hyams does an amazing job not telling like not constantly beating us over the head with like, remember that time I did remember that time 2001 came out. Remember that time 2001 came out? like, just like nudging you in the corner. He's literally just trying to make a good movie. And that comes through 85% of the time. Like, I feel like yeah. I'm watching a very, a very decent science fiction movie. And like, to be honest with you, it's, I, I realized I was watching it today. I realized it's been a very long time since we've watched science fiction films without any sort of horror twinge to it. So to like go back to this, just like, dude, how about when John Lithgow was spacewalking? That scene gave me like the descent level. Anytime like, people attack. spacewalk, dude. even in gravity, which I thought was really, you stupid, know what they did? Anytime I people spacewalk, it gives me, it gives me when they showed the condensation on the inside of the helmets. That's always been my fear. You're like, what if I fucking mouth breathe so much? Oh yeah. I can't fucking see and I can't wipe Absolutely. it off. Oh my God. Like, the movie, that scene is Brooks. Not Again, it's that emotional support scene, too, of everyone on the Russian and American crew, like, pulling him through. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great bonding moment. But, like, that one was panic-inducing. Oh, yeah. I, I would say there's no other dread in the rest of the movie. Again, it's very, this is a very, like, I punch in at 9, I go home at 5 <laughs> to do, you know, eat my fucking microwave dinner and have it missionary. is very like other than yeah. a couple of the like really like more heady things that don't work for me it is very much this like well we got a job to do let's get to it otherwise we're gonna have to get a, like it, again to your point though it's kind of refreshing it, it is like because <laughs> it has like the big question of 2001 but it's like yeah. also i mean this movie specifically at one point i can't remember how they said it but essentially what this movie is saying right is that what you see doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is fucking data and facts, right? And that yeah. is, it is such a just absolute blatant disregard for the thesis of the first film. Not not disregard, but it's like we're gonna go the exact. Well, it just opposite. doesn't matter. Like the thesis yeah. for the first film is so, like again, wide open. Like the thesis for the first film is literally, where are you in the universe, and what does it matter to you, right? Like that's well, here's the a great movie. example, right? This movie decides, and I think this is probably the most contentious debate I was having in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. This movie decides they're going to go back and rewrite Hal's story. So yeah. Hal 9000 is the robot that controls the ship in part one, right? Mm-hmm. He does, and I love this story. I actually wrote a comic book story kind of based on this idea, right? I love the idea that a robot looks at us from an outsider's perspective and we're just data, right? We're a simple math equation, right? Are the decisions we're making and our worth the same as whatever the value is, whatever. So that's what Hal is in the first one. He makes the decision that we are not up to the task of this massive discovery, whatever the fuck it is. Right. And it's fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. It's such a wonderful, I mean, it's by far the best segment of that movie in my opinion. Yeah. It's it's perfect because in a weird way you are like I see what Hal's thinking. This movie specifically decides to rewrite Hal. And yes. the whole movie they're setting you up for this, oh god, Hal's going to do it again. And he doesn't, yeah. right? So what they say is that Hal had information 
that was sent to him above uh, Roy's pay grade, right? Yeah. So he's mad. That's why the mission went south is because he was tasked with lying and he's unable to lie. Right. I got to be honest. I think that sucks. Why? I think this story, they pay it off super well. Yeah. I. But I thought this beat sucked. I thought it was why? such a better science fiction beat. That Hal is just doing the equation, and he's like, you guys are fucking wild, and you're emotional, and you care about your one self. I'm fighting for this kind of advancement of the human race, right? I thought that was just a better science fiction theory than just the little fucking, you know, oh, I could never tell a lie. I'm the little digital Abe Lincoln, (laughs) or George Washington, whichever president couldn't lie, which I'm guessing is none of them, but you know what I mean? I'm going to say zero. (laughs) Yeah. I, the wooden tooth guy? I don't know. But this website, I think this beat is not great, in my opinion. I don't fucking like it. I think it negates. I, it takes away Hal's ability to, because this movie does two things that are contrary, right? Which is, one, it wants us to fully believe that Hal is, whether silicon or carbon-based, I believe the Dr. Chandra says, right? Mm-hmm. He deserves respect and be treated like one of us, whatever. Fine. The movie absolutely took away his agency to have made a choice on his own and justify that choice by just saying, like, oh, some evil politician lied to him. Let Hal fucking talk out why he did that and why it's the right choice and let them see if he'll do it again, knowing what he knows and getting a redo. Let Hal fucking defend himself if he's one of us. I mean... He pay, they pay off the defending they do. himself. I'll give you that. I think it pays off well. I think they, it's this is one of those classic like this is not a thinker. They give you the payoff <laughs> to your argument. But here here's my thing. Like I did not mind it nearly as much. I didn't think it was necessarily okay. good, but I didn't mind it nearly as much because actually I, I I like the idea of a logic machine not understanding guile, and I think that is like a a little bit. Like, I'm a little with you on that. I don't think they played it out very interestingly. No, like, I don't think, again, we're at like, you know, we're, we're, if, if we're, if it's a nine to five or we're at hour seven and a half and we got to finish this movie. So, like, at the same thing. Like, right. You. But in the first movie, right? The scene when they turn him off so that they can talk shit about him and don't realize he can read lips, that's a wonderful, they think they're in charge. And he's like, wait, something else is going on here. That is right. a machine not understanding guile and deceit and betrayal really done well. Right. This is something they just tell us that, and then they leave it to that, oh, fuck, is uh, he see, not going to let them escape? And then at the end, he – and again, it is a nice moment when Dr. Chandra just tells him the truth, mm-hmm. and he goes, now I understand. Thank you. And he's like, I'll go down with this motherfucker. To me, Did you like- notice, though, that Hal's still a sneaky bitch? Yeah, but like to me, no. Hal bo- still tried to get a body. Hal tried to they're take Doctor Chandra out. They're both still human. Mo- like to me, like so, two thousand one, for there to be a self preservation, pretty much. like because that's how I've always re- read it for me. Like in two thousand one, Hal does what he does to Pool because of, out of self preservation. Like he sees, he reads the lips, he understands. Yeah. What he has a very what he has is a very human emotion. And I think See, that's I don't, the thing. I don't think it's self-preservation, though. I think it's the preservation of what's good for the many. I don't it's, think Hal's is worried about himself, but he's the guy who can carry it out. It's the preservation of preservation of the mission, 
which is Hal's objective and therefore yes. self-preservation. It's a very human emotion in, in, in its own way. I don't think it's the same as the two guys who are like, we got to turn this motherfucker off so we can turn around for just the two of them, though. That's the difference in the human whatever, right? Sure. But I don't know. I mean, the, the payoff is it's sweet. The payoff right? works. I understand me, if, what if you're I'm saying. If I'm being honest, the entire ending of this movie doesn't really work for me where it lands, right? I think the ending of the movie is... It's the is... difference of uh, the last movie just shows us a bunch of shit and says, here, write every yeah. fucking college paper for the next 40 years about what the yeah. fuck this is. And this movie puts a really kind of the, wildly optimistic the and fine point The end of this movie... It, okay, like the end of 2001 is like this, like, like this platter of all these different types of foods. And you're just like, cool, yeah, I guess I'll just try all of them and see what I like. And, and you never know what any of them are called. You do, you but you don't know eating. what any of them are called. Like, they're all from another country or they're all from someplace else entirely. Yeah. Like, I don't know who made them. Whatever. Like, 2010 is like, oh, cool. This is from the uh, In-N-Out off Moore Park. Like, that's like. Oh, that's, yeah, it's not. No, 2001's like, hey, we want to have you over for a dinner party. And then they just set out like a fucking half-eaten bologna packet. 2010 you know exactly <laughs> yeah. you, again you know exactly where the meal is coming from yeah. but it's a meal that you would yeah. pick like that's gonna put like, it on a cracker or something i, don't, yeah. I mean a spring of leaf like, it doesn't that, matter whatever see, you get, right, that's the point right there that's a great way to put it like you realize like because of the pedigree with which this you don't need the from. fucking decoration you're just here for the baloney because like the Roy Scheider melted hot dog. Peter Hyams literally, like, he, like, sprung for the to-go box that the In-N-Out comes yeah. in, but he's, like, not putting it on crackers. Like, that's, I think that's, it's the pedigree we expect, and instead yeah. we got what we got, which I agree. Like, yeah. I don't think the ending necessarily works for me. I think it's kind of stupid, to be honest with you. <laughs> but Well, okay, we'll get to the very ending, because I, I agree. But again... This is the thing. I think that is just a personal preference thing. So I, I, I agree. In the, I agree. The vein of what this movie wants to be does how getting redeemed work. Yes. And I also yeah. think it's a fucking power move to rewrite probably one of the two or three most iconic things in the first movie. I would say the That's most a iconic bit of a thing fucking in the first movie. Because I was like, the monolith might be the most. How like, is the most important thing in that first movie? Like by far. I mean, to me, he is. Yeah, sure. It All is right. the proliferation but of the human. Of it's wonderful that they did that and had the balls to do that. I don't know again that it fucking paid off for me. No. Um. But I again that that kind of gets back to this whole theory, right? Of like, what is this movie trying? Right. I like Roy Scheider using his fucking charms, right, mm -hmm. to run around the ship and get these Russians and the Americans to work together, right. I thought that was a really nice because I thought the Cold War thing. I'm like, this is kind of shoehorned in and not doing. I anything love that beat at the very beginning. It, it does work though when they have to split ships, and yeah. he says, "You know what? Fuck them! Like we're up here, we're the ones." In a way, it's an almost new Garden of Eden for them, and I was like, that visually is like it didn't matter to me at all in the story, but now it they're using it to great effect, right? Yeah. Oh, I didn't finish my thought though. Fucking bitch ass Hal tried to get a body, right? Oh, with uh. With Dr. Shandra. Dr. Shandra, yeah. <laughs> I mean, did he really? How can't do the fucking calculations on Dr. Shandra's just tiny legs moving slow as hell? And he's like, bye, Dr. Shandra. Have a good trip. And he's like, five, four. And the guy's not even to the fucking door yet. He's got to get fucking ziplined like he's on vacation I with fucking, his family. How was trying to get him. 
I fucking How is going to be like, oops, another one. Bob Balaban is one. A, but Bob Balaban is one of those actors who like can't get killed in movies. Like I think we've only ever seen him get killed in one movie, if I remember correctly. I think we were about to get the Khaled 9000. Another one. <laughs> and he was going to start offing motherfuckers <laughs> on the reg until the ghost of Dave shows up. He's like, was I a good boy? I got to say. Yes. What's the safe word, ghost Dave? Did did Hell 9000 get the, get the lotion or is he right. back in the bucket? I got to say, <laughs> the movie, the, this movie, speaking about Balaban and like the whole, like <laughs> all of the supercomputerness, this movie really got me with the scene when he shows up. Like that bit with the Sal 9000. You didn't think that was creepy as fuck? Oh, he fucks that computer, for sure, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no yeah. way he doesn't have... There's no way there's not an episode yeah. of, like, my weird obsession or whatever that one was yeah. where that guy fucked a car. That's yeah. like, this is... this Bob Balaban has sex with Sound 9000, 100%. But... I mean, he might have been the inspiration from floppy to hard disk. Oh, for sure. My drift. No, Boom. well done. But, like... Boom. But this movie, <laughs> like, really got me. With this scene where he's discussing, like, hey, I have to take you apart. How do you feel about that? Like, that whole process of explaining to this supercomputer, like, hey, uh, to o- to understand what went wrong up there, I have to ruin you, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also a weird sexual I know thing. I built you to, like, have feelings and emotions, but also, like, your junk on my desk that I crammed myself into. Yeah. Bye. Right, but, I'm gonna go back up for the one I actually. But I was like. just like, that's so much weird, and abuse. I wonder if when they go up there, like that was my thing. Is I'm like, when he goes up there, he's gonna try to fuck that Hell Nine Thousand too. Jeez, this is. Fu- this- <laughs> you think he's just running around, just having? A- <laughs> he's like, just, that's his Russian uh, arrow breaking girl. He's just dropping loads in every IBM he can find, just crushing it. I mean, he was pretty stoked to be cramming those fucking crystal voice things back in. Oh yeah, I don't know. <laughs> where's the safe word tube we are but so no. off the rails <laughs> i know well i was like again that's one of those weirdly like not optimistic things the movie does too when he comes back in from hal trying to murder him yeah uh and he just yeah he gets fucking like claw gamed back onto the ship because that just is something that can happen when you're on full thrust in space fine whatever hard science my ass Hard doctor. Never mind. That's neither here nor there also. But he comes back and he's like, I had your explosive because I knew you tried to kill Hal. And then Roy Scheider just like smiles because he's so happy that everything is working out exactly as he wants. What in the fuck is happening here? But I did think it was cool as they're escaping, right? The giant monolith disappears. Now, this is the scene I thought was cool as fuck. There's a giant black circle on Jupiter, right? It looks like Mm -hmm. an eye is forming. When they go in... The monoliths are replicating like virus, right? Right. Fucking cool. The planet's eating itself. It's losing color. Yeah, that part is cool. This is all super cool. Literally no explanation or payoff for what that means. I'm assuming that's what becomes the star. Yes. The second star in the sky, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then Ghost Dave tells Hal to broadcast one last message as long as you can, right? The most important message in all mankind. All these worlds are yours except Europa. Attempt no landing there. Uh, use them. Use them in peace. All right. Fair enough. Are we to believe in any fucking shape, form, or fashion that this is not going to lead to an absolute arms race and the destruction of all of us? <laughs> Do we really Absolutely. think that, that Roy's just like, 
this is post the 85th bourbon letter that someday the children of the new style and the old will meet and it'll be all best friends. Yeah. Not a fucking chance. This giant thing just fucking sent a ghost to Earth multiple times to fucking hairbrush and do whatever. Took a took put another fucking sun in our universe, which, by the way, is going to affect the climate on our Earth and probably kill a bunch of people. The creatures that can survive on Europa that close to a sun are going to be hideous beasts that our weapons will be barely able to affect. This is the end. This movie's sending us a fucking happy song and dance and then just cutting us from our buttholes all the way to the back of our necks and taking us as a skin suit is my theory. Wow. That is graphic. And I will tell you the truth. I started that analogy and had no idea where it was going. Yeah, it wow. was so much more than I planned. You really, you really went I went there. for it. Yeah, but I really do think it's it. apt. <laughs> I do think butthole to next, uh, next suit. Uh, that's a new thing. Um, <laughs> it's an egger suit. Egger suit. Skins. <laughs> um, water. water. Wow. No. I think this is bad. I think this yeah. is fucking – if there's one thing we know that humans love, it's well, ultimatums. Well, I think what's interesting, too, like, besides, like, the obvious arms race thing, like, there's, like, as soon as as soon as soon Roy Scheid – as soon as Haywood gets, gets back and he's just like, well, we were told to stay away, like, why? Like, just – I don't know. Just don't go there. Of course. We're not – no one's going to see that, like, fucking creepy-ass planet that somehow already has yeah. jungles and oceans – and they're gonna see one thing crawl out of there and be like, "Whatever it takes." Well, this is we're the part blowing of the, up that entire Earth. This is the planet, part of the movie, like this is the part of the movie that I was just like, "That was this is the part I did not like this ending because it again just like it flies it flies in the face of two thousand one in the wrong way, you know? Like it does this like sort of. And bit, I, let's preface: I have not read the book. I know I that either. this is a Sorry, series yeah. of books, Never so this could book. all be explained very well in the books. We so are here to me, talk about a movie. For me, the like the end again, like the ending for this movie tries to do this sort of like, wow, what if you know, like what a weird yeah. thing. Like let's theorize. Like this is one of the, again, like it's one of those things where like there's like forty years of term papers about two thousand one. This one is like there's maybe like five, mm-hmm. and the ending for this movie is just not. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It's like this weird, this mo- it's the monolith magic. I think this is, that's always the thing that I like about this is the monolith in 2001 is just this beacon of all of our own philosophical drivel. Yeah. That's it. Like it's well, the whatever- first time the primates see it, right? It's almost as if it inspires us to do our right. worst it's, or darkest desire for, for me, because like, it's an excuse. Yeah, well, it's like the knowledge of Did self- Did that monolith tell that fucking ape man to crush that other dude's head? Or is that just something he's like, I've been thinking about this for a while. This it's is a the knowledge of self. Like, that is, it's the curse of You're knowledge. You're opened up to beyond your own right. boundaries. Yes. So to me, assigning essentially what the monolith actually is, which it seems to be just this all- again well let's okay so let's let's go through this kind of beat by beat right so what roy scheider says in his fucking again just i hate silence let's talk over it um the fear is over we've seen the process of life happen we've been given a new lease and a warning from the landlord okay does any of those lines sound like something that would then be followed in a movie by and peace and quiet reigned forever 
No. Abs- yeah. The fear is over. Nonsense. We've seen life way. happen. That is fear right there. And then we got a warning from the fucking land. But here's, okay, so let's break this down. You want to know the last time that happened? Avatar. There's going to be like 10 sequels to that movie. Yes. But why Why was the monolith on Earth right in the first place? Why was it on Mars? Why was there a giant why one outside? Was it anywhere? We never know. They said, right, fine. I always took that watching. Again, I don't want to do our whole 2001 pod now. I always took that as that every planet has something like that. Right. Right. Some kind of force that is a blank slate that we then graffiti. And that's what our world becomes. Fine. Right. This takes that away. So then it throws into question. Why do any of these things exist? Why do they need? So if these things are here and can do all of this wonderful shit, why do they need to restart a new planet in our own fucking neighborhood? (laughs) Probably full of creatures to go down and eat us when we fuck up again, which we will. Mm-hmm. Here's the really weird thing, and this is such a 2010 distinction from the first one. They even give the monolith human form because yes. it's too abstract of a theory. They put Dave in there, and there's a great scene when he goes and finds his, uh, I believe it's his wife, right? His like mm-hmm. uh, widowed wife. And he's like, I he travels space and time, right? So as we see this like lightning bolt, pew, right? As Max is getting murdered, and you know, they're trying to find it on Europa. Something's alive down there. It flies all the way to Earth just to be in one TV. And I believe what it says is, uh, I was Dave Bowman. Whatever he was really is a part of me now, right? Mm-hmm. Fine. Just to go see his fucking ex-wife. The ex-wife of this one tiny insignificant thing that's inside of him. Um, And it's kind of a sweet moment, right? And then there's the, you know, he warns them to get out of there. They've got two days to get out. Fine. He goes and brushes his elderly mom's hair and, you know, gives her like a moment of relief. That seems touching, right? Yeah. There's also a big question as to if it's that specific. Did Bowman get in and infect and ruin this perfect thing with well, humanity? Well, that's kind of the question, right? Like, does humanity like, is infect he now, a Is this thing now working as our Christian God? Because that's what Dave Bowman brought with his mind. There, there's some weird fucking things they do with this, right? Right. What did you make of this? Uh making dave bowman the face of the monolith i didn't like it to be honest with you like again it's just it's i kind of worked on like a scary science fiction level yeah but see like they never took it far enough okay i agree with you on that i don't know that the the wires connect yeah see like for me the scary science fiction level of that is that bowman um Bowman becomes part of the monolith, like because that, like again, the monolith to me is like, and they all... show the Star Child, right? So he's yeah. something. So the monolith to me has always been like all the collective knowledge of the universe. So if Bowman is so strong that he's able to like literally become the monolith itself, the Star Child himself, all these things, if Bowman is so strong to emerge as a being that is of the monolith. It should be that Bowman is a god, is God essentially. Like that, uh, that should be what it is. He's Inst- weirdly the face of God, so he's almost like a Christ right. figure, right? But he's that's our what front it is. Man selling it. He's this, yeah. Like he's selling this, but to me, they make Bowman so non-human in a lot of ways. Like just because he goes and visits his oh, wife, oh, like zero percent like, human, right? It's, right. It's, Visiting his and wife, those is things like, do work because it's. This godlike figure taking time out of this seemingly huge endeavor yeah. to stop and just go comb an old lady's hair. That is 
an insane thought experiment that's really fun to watch. It is, but it also it counterbalance it's counterbalanced by the fact like if Bowman is strong enough to become the monolith itself, wouldn't he and go and comb this woman's hair? Like well, there is, is that still the this thing, like was that giant monolith a destroyer of sorts and Bowman bends it? If there's this strange earthly attachment still, and you have literally the power of God, wouldn't that make God human and therefore God is completely fallible? So therefore God taking, therefore God literally snuffing out a fucking planet and turning into a star in the universe, in my opinion, is like you were saying, absolutely fucking terrifying. Like, yeah because those those, like millions of monoliths could have just come to earth and like handled some shit yeah just been like hey we're here to eat every weapon there's no more guns or bullets why don't we just yeah like that that is the 2010 the year we made contact really is yeah like not just come down and do that tropic thunderline you're a lead farmer motherfucker yeah like there's no more bullets or anything you're all farmers now that's yeah i mean to me that's farm and you fuck and smile that's our whole thing now when they make a new planet, that's a replacement fucking planet. Right. Well, it's not supposed to be. The fuck but it's not. I think it's, it's an exact. I think maybe Bowman was like, whatever piece of Bowman's in there, he's like, maybe I should go check out. Is it really cool to brush hair? Is it really cool to be emotionally attached to a lady? Like, will her sadness move me? It didn't. No, it did not. At he all. was very he was like, Cool, I'm done with this. Like again, yeah. it's just such a weird And I think he sent the fucking Russian and Americans back to be like, Hey, go back there and tell them what you fucking saw here. Let chaos reign. <laughs> the <laughs> amount of fucking orgies and drugs and murders that happen before this ship returns to Earth is staggering. <laughs> staggering. By the time they get back I to mean, Earth, God will truly be dead because of the horrors the average normal will have faced on this I Earth. I mean, when you think <laughs> about it, by the time they're back, I mean, it's basically now. So, yeah, they, they like, the... Uh, I mean, this is what, like a 10-year, 20-year round trip? So, 2010... Millions of light years? So, whatever. basically, Haywood and all his friends show up now, and they're like, wow... We should have just stayed up there. This sucks. He just he gets home and the first thing he sees is his fucking bedraggled fucking rag wearing son who's now fifty eight, and he's like, "Dad, do you know the amount of fucking orgies that I've had to be in just to eat fucking Velveeta cheese? It's the only food we have left." And he's like, "What about them Yankee hot dogs?" And his son just runs up and shanks him in the throat. You did this, Dad. There was Poor never a Yankee hot dog. He's been- He's been full blown pink socked. Like he's just he's hating life and just stabbed his dad. That's he the, just that's it's the like Academy looking Award into a broken movie. old leathery mirror and Roy Scheider's like I that's can't the Academy it. Award ending movie. Ending. Oh I my god! See. Yeah, dad, do you know what those dolphins did to me to survive in our own living room where I was a boy and played toys with you? Yeah, I I think this it's weird because the movie wants to be like it's it's the happiest. Uh, you know, fucking flower nailed middle finger to Kubrick in 2001, the ending of this movie. But I think secretly they made a scarier ending. Oh, by I think far. in a weird way, 2001 is more optimistic because like, hey, are we all going to get those fucking space bubbles? That seems cool. It's 2001 is this philosophical other side of the wormhole thing. And 2010 is like, 
We're still on the wrong side of the wormhole, and it sucks. In 2001, you're the hole. Or in 2010, <laughs> 2010 you're the hole. 2010, you're That's the what hole. this movie's telling you. <laughs> Go ahead and smile, bitch. It's almost over. <laughs> yep. That's what it, that should have been the colon title. You know, 2010, smile, bitch. It's yeah. almost over. The year we made contact with everything from hell. <laughs> and then we had That's Event Horizon, so there we go. Yeah, and then Event Horizon looks like a fucking day at the park. That's what this movie's afterwards. Uh, I don't know. I Again, I think this movie, it took courage yes. to make this version. Absolutely. And again, this is probably an easier, easier sell to studios, but to follow up that movie was going to be a near impossible task, and they made a fantastic movie to follow that up. Agreed. Again, it's got very little of the flair, but... It's a really just well done science fiction. The nuts and bolts are put together well. Agreed. I want to say this one thing about our director, Peter Hyams. He is a prolific alchemist director for you and I, by the way. Mm -hmm. His other bona fides after 2010, he did Running Scared, which I love, by the way, um, with uh, Gregory Hines and uh, Billy Crystal. And then uh, Time Cop. God, I've been wanting to get to time. I think we've talked about doing a join the force this next week. We did. Time Cop, The Relic, which I know you love. Oh, dude. Yeah. That was one of my first adult books I loved. And End of Days. Oh, my God. This guy. This guy. Look at this. Look at us. Look at us. That's what I'd say if we hung out. Yeah. I'd be like, so buttholes ripped at the end of 2010. He'd be like, finally, someone got it. And I'd be like, thank you. Thank uh, you. But yeah, I butt thought to neck skin suit. Think of that. Neck skin Take suit. that in your pipe. 2010. I yeah, nuts and bolts sci-fi with a lot of skin suits at the end. That's it. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's funny because there are parts of this movie that remind you of the opening of Alien, where it's yeah. just this very blue collar totally. space crew of characters that you really latch onto and enjoy, man. Yep. Um, and the big swings with the monolith and how. I think they're they're all right. They're not my taste, but I bet for most people uh, they would work pretty well. Okay. Yeah. So thank you, Howard, for picking this awesome fucking Good flick. Pick. What a great way to start stuffing stockings. Um, our other stocking stuffers this month, if you guys are interested, uh, Dark Star, Gremlins and Train Spotting. So we got a good list coming up here, guys, uh, to finish the year strong. What a wonderful year it's been. Uh, so, guys, make sure you join us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Pod. Guys, just a dollar a month to show some love and support is appreciated. Thank you guys in advance. The YouTube is Alchemist. The email is Pod at gmail.com. We're on all the socials like all you hip young AI bots that are actually good guys, and it's humans that done us wrong. I got nothing. That's it. For the film Alchemist, I'm Josh. I'm the man wearing the Josh Griffey skin suit. I am Alex wearing a Dandino skin suit for sure. And I can say this 100% for fact. All my dreams tonight will be deciding how tan Roy Scheider's dog was. Yep. That is all I'll be able to see when I, I am sleep. Going, so I am going with dreams. boiled hot dog in the corner of the corner. I mean, the I bet just shriveled so tan. That thing is just... I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Bye!